Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go. We are screaming from the sidelines once again. Got a couple of guests in the past couple of weeks who provided some great insight on the WNBA and the future of that league. Now we're moving closer toward the NBA season, and I'm finding people in-house because Believe is the best, and we have somebody with a show of their own on Believe. It's called Betsketball. He is fairly new to the network, just like me. His name is Andy Quatch, and I am excited to welcome him to the show as we're getting ready to talk some over-under season win totals. Andy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Absolutely. Let's make this happen. So, I think the logical starting point for us has to be the Boston Celtics, given everything that they are dealing with. All of our over-unders are provided by DraftKings. If you go to the Vegas Insider website, uh, pardon me, that is the lines, then you can see all the different win totals. You can get Caesars Sportsbook, you can get FanDuel, you can get other sites as well. So we're going to be talking about DraftKings for the sake of consistency across the board. And right now, the Celtics are still listed at 53 and a half wins, which I think the under is going to be a popular pick at this point. Let's rewind a little bit because Ime Udoka was suspended for the entirety of the 2022-23 season. And according to Kevin Fraser, multiple sources confirmed that the Celtics uh, female staffers affair with Udoka was uncovered by her husband when he overheard a private conversation on a home doorbell camera so it's getting a little bit messy Udoka is engaged to his longtime partner Nia Long and the two also have a 10 year old son together so aside from just the Celtics and how everything they are as an organization that is obviously terrible there is nothing about cheating on your significant other your fiance that I'm going to speak positively on but it is interesting that the team decided to suspend him for something that seems to be a personal problem. We're not really going to use the space to speculate as much, but we'll be monitoring that as it comes along a little bit more. Joe Mazzula, who's 34 years old, is going to be set to take over as the interim coach. And he only has two years of head coaching experience at a small college, which is Fairmont State where he went a combined 43 and 17. So he's been successful. He coached with the G League main Red Claws in 2016 and then was brought onto the Celtics staff in 2019, where now he's getting a chance to showcase his leadership. Andy, before we talk about the over, the under, and everything in between, I just want to get your initial thoughts on the situation. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, pass too much judgment because it is still a developing situation. I mean, it could be as simple and personal is just him having an affair but uh in i think shams's report with the athletic it was kind of implied that at some point it might have turned into a non-consensual relationship or at the very least even with him as being a head coach and in that role partly the face of the franchise um there is at least some kind of power dynamics there at play that you know we can't really talk about till we have the full details of course um, but yeah, it's definitely a dicey situation for a team that was already on precarious standing to begin with. I mean, they just came off a finals appearance and, you know, winning kind of carries everything, but, um, 
which makes it kind of easy for people to forget that they've been going through it as a franchise for the last three or four years. I mean, between, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, the Kemba Walker debacle, um, Brad Stevens stepping down as head coach, Danny Ainge stepping down as GM. I mean, this is a kind of a fragile core of a team. So, I mean, honestly, if you can still jump out on the under for that 53 and a half, I would do it immediately. I don't think there's going to be a lot of dispute about people taking the under with all the skepticism that's going on right now. And it does feel like the obvious pick right now. I'd just like to get into a little bit of why it is the obvious pick, because I'm not sure why the line hasn't moved more. The deal is coaching in the NBA does matter a lot, despite the belief by some fans that if you have superstars, then you're automatically good but you're not just managing the X's and O's. You're managing a lot of egos as well. These are big time athletes who are way better at what they do than most anybody on earth. And a lot of people want their money. A lot of people want their attention. We have more outlets for content and media than ever before. So there's a lot to manage within just the dynamics of a team. And Ime Udoka had this team figured out. He had them bought in. They finished last regular season 28 and 7. They beat the Nets in a sweep. They knocked off the defending champion Bucks. And then they took down the top seeded Heat to win the East. And then they were two games away from winning the NBA Finals. So this is really unfortunate for this franchise. And the Celtics are obviously taking this very, very seriously. What I find worth mentioning is that it's not like Yudoka was trending toward being fired or the team was so-so and they were inconsistent and the, the Celtics front office thought, you know what, this is bad PR. This is bad for our locker room. Let's just start the process of moving on now. No, in fact, he was trending in the exact opposite direction. I'm sure we're going to find out a ton more details in the coming weeks, but it's clear that what happened is severe enough to entirely shift the direction of a young, promising championship-level franchise. So I'm rooting for Joe Missoula, absolutely. I'm happy that someone who spent a decade in smaller coaching roles now has an opportunity to take the driver's seat with a talented franchise that just came off a finals appearance. But it is short notice, and do I think it'll be easy for a 34-year-old to come in quickly and win more than 53 games? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. I I don't think we're going to disagree on this one, but do you have a ballpark of the number of wins you might be thinking there could be for the Celtics? I think, I think they'll still be a pretty secure lock for the playoffs, but 53 wins is a lot. That was a big number to begin with, even with Ibn Yudoka leading the charge. I mean, yeah, they rattled off that crazy run towards the end of the year, but you got to remember at the beginning of the year, they were struggling hard and they did add some significant talent. They got Malcolm Brogdon, but that also just throws a wrench into the continuity. They're going to figure, they're going to have to figure out how to integrate him into the offense, how to stabilize that offense that relied so heavily on the the two J's and their ISO scoring. Um, so I, I would say they're probably looking at 42 to 45 wins with the assistant coach stepping in. And even with, even it had Ime been there, I mean, 53 would have been a hard number to get to. 53 is a lot for sure. I agree. Even with Ime Udoka, that's the highest over under win total in the entire league, which I'm surprised again that it hasn't dropped. I most surely will. 
as the season gets closer and a lot of under bets are being placed and Vegas wants to even things out a little bit. So we do have seven more teams that we want to get to. And another highly relevant offseason team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, the Cavaliers obviously had their heyday with LeBron James in two different phases, I suppose. But now they started getting things going in the right direction last season. And on top of that, they traded for the superstar Donovan Mitchell along with Darius Garland, who was already there. Now they get to couple together as a backcourt. Their over-under wins is 47.5, which is certainly above the mark of what is a low-grade playoff team, but it's not exactly the mark of maybe a top-three seed. So, uh, you know, the under pick is at plus 105, and the over is minus 125. So you can certainly get more bang for your buck on the under if you have some doubts. Last year, they finished 44 and 38. They were the eighth seed going into the play in tournament, and then they got bounced by the Atlanta Hawks. Andy, where are you seeing Cleveland right now? Is it too early to buy into the hype? I think I think it is a little bit early. Um, Donovan Mitchell does address a big need for them, which is, you know, off the bounce scoring. That's something they needed outside of Darius Garland. Um, especially after Ricky Rubio went down with injury last year, um, you saw the effects that him being out had on their offense. Um, they started going on a losing streak. They were at the top half of the East before he, he, he went down with his ACL tear and they quickly climbed towards the bottom and into the play-in tournament. Um, so they did address that need. They tried to do it last year by trading for Karis Levert. That didn't exactly work out swimmingly, but he figures to be more in control coming off the bench as kind of uh, just their primary creator off the pine. Um, I look forward to seeing him in that role. Um, so 48, that's a, that's a tough number. It's four more wins than they were able to get last season. Um, I think you said you were going under it. I personally am feeling the under and uh, on paper, the trade does help Cleveland. I think it makes them a legitimate team in the Eastern conference, which has improved over the last few years, but it's my, my doubts are not concerned with Donovan Mitchell. They're not with Darius Garland or JB Bickerstaff and his whole Bickerstaff. But the two <laughs> concerns are one, it's not a given that you're going to insert a new focal point into a team and immediately everything clicks. Just look at the Denver Broncos so far in the NFL. Right. Uh, and two other teams in the East are going to make this playoff race competitive. I think that the 76ers, the Hawks, the Raptors and the Bulls are all going to be in the mix for those mid to lower playoff seeds, maybe even upper for some of them. So I just can't say I'm fully on the Cleveland wagon yet. And that's why I'll take the under. I do think they can make some noise if everything goes right, but they don't have a lot of margin for error as they try to get this new chemistry rolling. Yeah, I feel that. I think a lot of Eastern teams are going to be right in that mid forties win total including the Cavs. I mean, the Hawks got better. The Knicks got better. Um, not saying they're like super serious playoff contenders now, but they did get better. Um, the Wizards got better. Uh, it, it's definitely a tougher East, and there's no arguing that the Cavs didn't improve themselves by getting Donovan Mitchell, but it, it's going to be a war out there. 48 and a half is a tough number to get to. I would lean under with you too especially with the point you're making where, you know, that's just a more logical bet from a financial standpoint. Um, you, you, you stand to make more betting the under and I could easily see it leaning that way. 
Certainly. If you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan and you're listening to this and we're getting under your skin, maybe this is a good test to bet your heart and see what happens. But start with a moderate to small amount of money and we'll see what happens. I don't need people coming at both of us all angry or maybe they can be happy if we're wrong and they're right. Uh, Western Conference has a few really interesting ones as well. We're going to be jumping back and forth from this West to East thing, but... Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves because you said 48 and a half is a tough number to get to. And that's exactly what they are listed at. They were 46 and 36 last year. Anthony Edwards is a young blossoming star. Carl Anthony Towns, all-star caliber player. And now they acquired Rudy Gobert in an offseason trade where they sent away Patrick Beverly for first round picks and a pick swap. They also added Mr. Slow-Mo, Kyle Anderson, Austin Rivers, and Bryn Forbes in free agency. So I got a whole spiel on this Minnesota Timberwolves team, but I want to give you a chance to provide your insight first. Yeah, I think I feel like we're going to disagree here, but um, I actually talked about the T-Wolves in my debut episode of Basketball, um, and then we're going to ramp up that show as we get closer to the season. But um, one thing about Rudy Gobert is he's a top 15 defensive unit to himself. He can come in and instantly change a defense, especially in the regular season when teams don't have as much time to game plan to switch up their lineups and take someone out like Rudy Gobert out of the game like they can do in the playoffs. And one thing we know is if you have a good defense, you're likely to be a good regular season team. And that's what I'm expecting from the T-Wolves. With Rudy Gobert coming in, I figure they're going to win a ton of regular season games. Um, that's not to say that they'll be super great in the playoffs or that they're serious title threats, but I can honestly see them competing for the top seed in the West. Just between the offensive talent, the depth of their roster, and just how single-handedly dominant Rudy Gobert can be on defense by himself. And that's not even counting for internal development from Anthony Edwards or um, the McDaniels brother they have over there. He figures to be a big riser. Um, but yeah, I, I see them clearing 50 wins, honestly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they finished top three seed in the Western Conference next year. That's certainly the vision they have as well, given what they sacrificed to go get Rudy Gobert in this offseason. Well, you do have a couple really strong points that I agree with, actually, because when you're playing a lot of back-to-backs through the course of a regular season, that's when having a really strong defensive unit is going to help. Carl Anthony Towns, that's sort of been the weakness in his game. Rudy Gobert, it's the exact opposite. That's what he's going to bring to this roster, and that can really uh, pay a lot of dividends as they work their way through the regular season. But do you ever see something in sports that is really hard for you to unsee? Because that's where I'm at right now. Two playoffs ago, the Los Angeles Clippers were playing the top-seeded Utah Jazz in the Western Conference semifinals, and the Jazz were up 2-0. The Clippers won the next four games to go and clinch that series. And in that clinching game six, the Clippers blew the Jazz out of the arena with their shooting, and Rudy Gobert was a clear liability on defense. Quinn Snyder left him in the game down the stretch, while the Clippers, by the way, were one of the better shooting teams in the NBA, took mm -hmm. advantage of what they had on the perimeter. Now Gobert is on a Timberwolves team where they have two centers out there, 
And, you know, they're going to be playing during important minutes. So their lineup is not built to contend with teams that can shoot the three. And it's not like the three-point shot is going to disappear anytime soon. In fact, it's become so prevalent that some are starting to argue that it's detrimental to the game of basketball. So I look at this Timberwolves team. Yes, I think they're going to win some games, but you can't convince me that they're built to get past teams like the Warriors, the Clippers, or the Mavericks, who can absolutely light you up from all areas of the perimeter. I have to take the under in this one, and that's why. I see what you're saying, and I think those are great arguments against the T-Wolves in the playoffs. Um, I just know the regular season is a grind, and with Rudy Gobert standing in there, teams are going to get tired of trying to drive in against him and getting their shots sent back into the stands. Um, if, you know, if it's three or four games in a row, they're going to go small ball. They're going to draw him out into the perimeter. But I just see them winning a ton of regular season games. Teams are just going to be tired of going up against him standing in there in the defense. There is something to be said between the difference of regular season and playoffs. So I do want to give you credit for that one. I just had a whole anecdote that was about the playoffs and kind of translated that to the larger picture as a whole. Timberwolves, I think, are a very talented team. There's no doubt that Anthony Edwards is up and coming and is only going to get better from here, barring any Mm -hmm. sort of injury. And so, yeah, you know, Timberwolves, a little bit of a polarizing team so far, creating some mixed emotions. But maybe if you are the Warriors or the Clippers and you're probably going to be secure for a playoff spot come that post-All-Star break stretch of the season, maybe those regular season games just don't matter as much to you. and. I'm not saying players won't be out there trying, but it is fair that the Timberwolves could be taking advantage of that. And when there's a lot of back-to-backs or road traveling in the regular season, that's when having defense is going to really pay its dues. So it's a fair point. You can argue both sides. And I'm glad that we had a little back and forth and a disagreement there. We'll move to a team in the East, which you are covering pretty closely now. And I must say that I'm high on this one It is the Philadelphia 76ers. You know who else is high on this team? It's Vegas because their over under wins is set at 50.5. Last year, they went just above that 51 and 31 and some offseason changes to go over. Well, instead of opting to use their draft pick, they acquired DeAnthony Melton from the Grizzlies and they traded away Danny Green in that process. They also signed Montrez Harrell. PJ Tucker, and they re-signed James Harden. This is most certainly your territory, Andy. And how are you feeling about the Sixers and what they did over the offseason? Yeah, I'm starting to cover the Sixers for Philly Sports Network now, having a great time doing it. I still won't say I'm, you know, uh, as you know, uh, being a part of NBA media, you if you follow a team closely enough and you're kind of in their beat, you, you do grow an affinity for the team. It's more fun to cover winning teams, but I still wouldn't say I'm a fan of the Philadelphia 76ers. So just from an objective standpoint, I think this team is going to win a lot of games. And it's actually crazy because the highest regular season win total for a Joel Embiid led team is only 52 games. So that's right where the over and under is at 50 and a half. But after they acquired James Harden last season, even with him, you know, playing injured, not looking like himself, the, his dominant ISO screen 
put the ball in the basket at will self. They were still the best offense in the league once James Harden was running the show. Tyrese Maxey's numbers went up. Joel Embiid's numbers went up. Tobias Harris's numbers went up. Having a true point guard, someone who is a threat to get to the basket or, or to pull up from beyond the arc, someone that they've needed next to Joel Embiid since he arrived in Philly, the exact type of player they were looking for when they drafted Markel Fultz, um, someone they wanted to find next to Ben Simmons as well. That's who they've been looking for, and they've got it in James Harden. And I don't know if you've been looking at the offseason news, but he looks slim. He took a pay cut so they could get P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. He's serious about winning, and there's no reason I don't see them rattling off 54, 55 wins. James Harden certainly has got a bit of a bad reputation over the past two seasons, really ever since he wanted out of Houston. But that was a smart move by him to try to put together a team that's built to win because they are championship level, but they have sort of fallen short of that bar. They kind of remind mm-hmm. me of the Bucks a little bit before they were able to get over the hump. They have one player who's a clear superstar MVP candidate, and then they got a bunch of pieces who are very solid. They have a coach who has won a championship before, even if people want to talk about Doc Rivers uh, choking and, whatnot but I'm a big fan of Doc Rivers and you just talked about being a fan versus just kind of following I don't have too much of an emotional opinion on Philadelphia but I am a fan of Tyrese Maxey that guy is something special anytime a player elevates in the playoffs it is hard not to jump on that bandwagon and get really into how they're playing he's got a terrific play style I think he's a perfect fit for what Philly needs in terms of playing down the stretch in big moments. And I'm looking forward to seeing his growth. And, you know, you talk about PJ Tucker as well. I love the PJ Tucker signing. He's become one of those players that good teams are just signing for the purposes of getting great playoff minutes out of somebody because he's a fighter and he's going to give his best effort on the defensive side of the ball. Doesn't matter if it's Giannis on the other side of it. Doesn't matter if it's, Uh, Joel Embiid, who's now his teammate, and it doesn't matter if it's somebody on the team he just left, the Miami Heat. P.J. Tucker is a fighter in the playoffs. Joel Embiid should be a candidate to win MVP. He's been in that mix for a couple of years, and deservedly so. And going into this season, I just trust a team like the 76ers more than Brooklyn, who has the talent but not necessarily the cohesion required to win games, and they're going to have to prove themselves a little bit. 50 and a half is set high, but I still like the over for Philadelphia. That's where I stand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if James Harden can even get back to, I don't know, 80, 90% of what he was looking like in his prime, that's a 45-win player to himself. Joel Embiid's a 45-win player to himself. And now they're playing together. And they have Tyrese Maxey. They have Tobias Harris. They're The 10th man on the roster is probably Matisse Thybul, who is a hell of a player. He's got to figure it out on offense, but... If he's your 10th man, you're probably in good shape. So if you're betting the under, really what you're betting is that Joel Embiid has another injury-stricken season because if he plays, you know, 50, 60 games, there's no reason they don't win more than 51 games. That's a great point. And really the only knock you can put on Embiid is that he's had an injury-stricken career, as is typical for a really talented big man. If he's healthy, it's tough to see this team performing poorly obviously if he goes down 
that's a big issue for the team. And there's no replacing the impact and what you get night in and night out from somebody like that. So things to think about if you're considering betting on the Sixers win total, the Sixers have made some noise in the playoffs and yet to get over the hump. And there's a team that started to get over a minor hump. Now they're looking to get over the major hump and get to an NBA finals, maybe even lift a trophy. That is the Dallas Mavericks who had a rather interesting offseason. Their mark is set at 48 and a half wins. They were 52 and 30 last year with a Western Conference Finals appearance. Some of their big changes were acquiring Christian Wood from Houston over the offseason in a trade, but they lost Jalen Brunson, who was their second best player in that postseason. He's now with the Knicks. They didn't really take advantage of free agency as well. They added JaVale McGee, but that's really it. So Mavericks, this could really go either way. We know Luka Doncic is special, but can they get over the 48 and a half mark? So that's such a good number, honestly, by the odds makers, because if it was if it was 49, I'd say under. If it was 47, I'd probably say over. But they really nailed it there with that 48. Um, one thing to consider is when, you you know, we, we think they're losing Jalen Brunson and what he was doing, and he was, you know, lighting it up in the playoffs. He was getting to the his mid-range at will against the Jazz. Um, he showed up against the Suns, really became kind of that second option that Luka Doncic needs. And... That's all true, but from a regular season standpoint, he did have a good regular season last year, but he didn't really turn it on all the way till the playoffs. I mean, they're losing 16 points per game. Um, they're probably going to get a lot of that back with Tim Hardaway Jr. coming back. They're going to get that back with Spencer Dinwiddie getting more opportunities, who's kind of in that similar archetype of a player. Um, I like the Christian Wood addition. He he has a lot to prove, especially on the defensive end of the floor, but I think he does have a chip on his shoulder. I think playing a winning on a winning team will help him a lot, especially with a generational talent like Luca and with a player's coach like Jason Kidd. I love the JaVale McGee addition. I think Luca with a true lob threat and a true defensive anchor behind him will look really, really good. But that being said, I'm going to go under still just because that 48 and a half number is so high. And I mean, they had a stellar season last year and they only won 52 games. The West looks loaded. The Lakers are back. Um, the Clippers are back. The Pelicans are going to be a lot better than they were in the last regular season. It's just going to be an absolute war zone in the West. I just don't think the Mavericks will reach that win total. I'm pretty spot on with your thinking there. I know we had. A disagreement a little bit earlier but I but so of all the teams that we're going to go through on the show the Mavericks and then one other team which we're going to get to soon those were the two hardest for me to make my over under picks and 48 and a half is right in that zone of where they probably will be if everything goes to plan and they stay healthy you know as strange as it is to say this it feels like a prove it year for Luka Doncic a little bit and he's so young they're only getting better. We know how great he is, and we know what a generational talent he is. He's got a real chance to be MVP in this league as soon as this year. But now it's time to elevate your team to championship level and really improve your value on the defensive side specifically. So 
The reason I'll say under as well is because I think 48 and a half is a great number by the odds makers, perhaps just a little too high, not because I don't think the Mavericks can do it. But when you look at that number, you're talking a top three, maybe fourth seed. And this is just a disgusting Western conference. The Warriors are going to be good. The Clippers are going to be good. The Grizzlies are still there. The Nuggets are going to be better. I think people are forgetting that that guy right behind me there. Mr. Jamal Murray's coming back to join yeah, a back-to-back MVP. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then the Lakers have a chance to be good as well with an older LeBron James and perhaps a healthy Anthony Davis. They got Patrick Beverly too. So it's not so much that I have a problem with the Mavericks. It's just a lot to compete with. And if all those other teams are healthy, I mean, it's going to be a dogfight in that Western Conference. So I just think that the under might be a little bit of a safer pick. That doesn't mean that I don't think Dallas is a lock to go and make the postseason. Yeah, I agree with you there. Honestly, out of all the bets we were going to give out today, I would say this one is the one I'm least confident in. It does not feel good betting against Luka Doncic. Of course, he's a generational talent by all means. But yeah, I'd have to side with the under just from – the depth of the Western conference. So the team after this one we're about to do is the other one that I have a hard time being super confident in, but I feel pretty good about this next one. That's the new Orleans Pelicans. Their mark is set at 44 and a half wins. And last year they went 36 and 46, but were able to sneak into a playoff series. They upset the Clippers at the end of the play in tournament and They lost to the Phoenix Suns, who were the top seed, but they got two games on them. And big changes there in New Orleans. Uh, Well, Zion is hopefully returning. He just signed a five-year extension. CJ McCollum got a two-year, $64 million extension. They drafted Dyson Daniels and EJ Liddell, who unfortunately suffered a torn ACL in the summer league, but that's somebody they are very high on and was considered a steal prior to the injury. Where are we at with the mysterious New Orleans Pelicans? Yeah, it's, you know, everything. If you're betting on the Pelicans, you're betting on their potential. Because even aside from Zion coming back, as great as CJ and Brandon Ingram looked together in the playoffs last uh, postseason, that's pretty much all we were able to see of them. After the Pelicans traded for CJ and Larry Nance, um, CJ and Brandon Ingram kind of took turns being in and out of the lineup with injuries. They barely got any time on the floor together. Um, Willie Green's going to have to figure all that out um, kind of on the fly, especially if they're integrating Zion back right away, but he's got a lot of talent to play with. Um, just like the Sixers are like 10, 12 deep. So are the Pelicans between they're rookies from last season, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. All those guys are looking to take a step forward. They got Dyson Daniels. Um, Larry Nance barely played for them in the regular season last last season, but he looks to be a huge impact. He was hugely impactful in the playoffs. I'm sure he's going to get a ton of run. Um, but, yeah, it's hard because you, you don't really know what you're getting yet, but they just have so much talent that it's hard to get bet against them, and I wouldn't. I would bet the over. I'm absolutely betting the over. And you said betting on the Pelicans over equals betting on their potential. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I know it's a popular dark horse pick across the league, but you know what? I actually completely buy it. 
And it's not simply about the return of Zion Williamson that could make this team legitimate. It's really, for me, it's the leadership of CJ McCollum and what he's done to propel this team. He was traded midseason. They weren't expected to make a playoff series last year, but they upset the Clippers in the play-in tournament, and they stole two games against the top-seeded Suns. CJ McCollum's a big reason why this group actually got some valuable playoff experience and kind of learned what it was like to go toe-to-toe with a contender and have no fear in that process. So CJ's a guy who can elevate his game when the stakes are higher. He's a strong veteran presence that proved to be just, I mean, just amazing for a young locker room. And if Zion Williamson does in fact stay healthy, there's no reason to think that they can't be a contender. My last note on them, because I know what I'm talking about refers a lot to playoffs and this is regular season. Well, last regular season, they started three and 16 and then Willie Green was like, all right, let's go figure this out. Ultimately got the eight seed. I don't anticipate that same kind of slow start where they have to play catch up all year unless there's a major injury. So that's sort of where I'm at with the Pelicans on the over. Uh, that's not one of the Western Conference teams I mentioned when I talked about the competitiveness, but that's another reason why I'm a little bit wary on the Mavericks and maybe going to go under there is because I also think the Pelicans are a group that can be in that mix along with all those juggernauts that are getting tossed around on a regular basis, such as Warriors, Clippers, Nuggets, Grizzlies. Mm -hmm. They have just as much top end talent as anybody. I love CJ and kind of that Chris Paul role. He's, he's the veteran. He, he gets the chance to be the lead ball handler on a team now after being playing in Dame's shadow for so long. And I just love the fit. He, he was amazing. Once he got there, sliding it up and now he's got plenty of weapons to pass it to. Uh, I love it. Give me the over on them. We got the over on the Pelicans. This is another one that was really hard for me because this team showed their complete upside last season. And they also showed what it was like to go and struggle. It's the Chicago bulls. They were 46 and 36, which earned them the sixth seed and they got bounced out by the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks there in five games in the first round. This year, they're not set too high. It's 42 and a half, so probably enough to get into the playoffs, but we're talking play-in team most likely, seven through ten, possibly enough to earn a six. You just you never know. Their offseason was not anything crazy. They drafted Dalen Terry, 18th overall out of Arizona which should help their defense. They re-signed Zach Levine. They added Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic, and then they lost Tristan Thompson and Troy Brown Jr. But we've seen the good and we've seen the ugly with Chicago. Which version are we expecting from you, Andy? I got to go with the ugly. I, I don't like hearing that Lonzo Balls made no kind of progress on his injury and is actually having some kind of significant setbacks. He, uh, in media day, he said that he can't even walk right now on that knee. And that is scary because their wing depth is severely short. They didn't do much to address it in the offseason. They also didn't address much of their needs in the middle. I guess if you believe in Andre Drummond, then that they kind of address that. But there's just too many holes on the roster. Uh, DeMar had an incredible year last year, especially in the clutch. A lot of their wins came by way of him and Zach Levine just 
playing out of their minds when it came into crunch time. I don't know if that's a repeatable performance. Um, I think they'll be in the mix for the play-in tournament. I don't know if they'll eclipse that 42 game or win mark. Okay, that's fair. And you're right that last season, a lot of things were going very, very well for them leading into that all-star break. And the Lonzo Ball injury, that is scary. That is bad. We hope that he can get healthy as soon as possible because he is great for that Chicago team when he's able to spend time on the floor. This may be some wishful thinking here on my part, but I kind of am believing in the Bulls and want to take the over. So you're right. Last year, DeMar DeRozan was insane in his 13th year. He had his best year ever. Career high from three-point, 35%, uh, 50% shooting overall. He was seventh in the league in points per game. And yeah, a lot of things went right for them. But when they had a fully healthy starting lineup, they were top of the Eastern Conference. They were fifth fewest in turnovers per game. And they were 29th in bench scoring. So they really didn't have a lot of help outside their core. And once the injuries started occurring... Yeah, things went downhill a little bit, and ultimately they had a very challenging matchup in that first round. But I think the veteran signings, while they won't transform their team, they can provide a level of depth that was missing a little bit last season. I think that core lineup should only get better together now that Zach Levine is back and re-signed, and the chemistry is very much there. So I would like to believe in the Bulls to continue this positive trend that said, I had a hard time and I went back and forth on this one because of those reasons you listed, Andy. I'm hoping that Lonzo Ball is able to come back at some point in the middle of the season and sort of get them trending in the right direction as they head into the postseason, as opposed to peaking too early, which is what they did last year. Right. Yeah. If they do surpass that win total and clear the over, um, I would expect it's because they got great contributions from their young guys. Um, maybe Patrick Williams finally takes that step forward. People have been waiting for um, Io DeSomu takes another leap um, after having an outstanding rookie year. Um, and then maybe a guy like Kobe White finally gets his groove. Um, if they don't trade him, Kobe White's a cool trade piece. They might be able to fulfill some holes with that um, later in the year. Um, I could definitely see them hitting the over. I just don't believe it right now. Yeah, I think if the over-under was set at 44.5 or 45.5, I would probably be a little bit more hesitant. But I think 42 is an achievable number. It's just above 500. And they won 46 games last year with having a lot of issues down the stretch in the regular season. So that's sort of where I stand and why. Uh, we got one more team to go over. And th there's a lot of teams that we could have talked about. We didn't even get to the Hawks, the Lakers. Uh, the Warriors, I mean, there are plenty, but this is not necessarily the most relevant team in the NBA, but I think it's a great bet, and this is a betting show. So let's talk Oklahoma City Thunder. Their over-under is set at 23 and a half. Last year, they went 24 and 58. They drafted Chet Holmgren number two overall, who's now going to miss the season with an injury, but... They also got Usman Jang and two different Jalen Williams. So before I let you go, Andy, I just want to say that this feels weirdly low. I know that Chet being out hurts, but at some point the tanking process stops and the rebuild process begins. Like the Thunder shut down so much of their lineup last year. SGA wasn't playing a lot. 
Lou Dort wasn't playing at the end. And my other piece for believing in this team to grow is that Sam Presti has so much leverage with midseason trades as well, given all the draft capital that he has stacked up. So I just think that rebuilding is going to start now, even without Chet. And winning more than 23 games feels pretty doable for a team that will probably miss the playoffs, but 23 set low. It is a very low number. Um, the one thing that the, I'm sure the reason that number is so low is because of how stacked this draft class is looking to be with Scoot Anderson, Victor Wembanyama, the Thompson twins, Anthony Black. I mean, if this was if there was ever a year to tank, this would be the year. And I kind of went through that on my show with these teams that don't look to be in the playoffs, but they were tagged with these like win totals in the mid thirties, like the Hornets and the wizards. Like if, if you're not looking like a competitive team about at the all-star break, you might as well just mail it in and try to play for lottery balls. Um, And that's what the Thunder are going to be doing from the jump. I I do have to agree that it is such a low number. I do fully believe they're going to try to lose as many games as they can. Um, but honestly, they might accidentally pass that win total unless they shut SGA down for the year. I'm going to leave this one up to you. I wouldn't, I would not bet this one. Okay. That's fair. I think that's a very compelling argument about the future draft class. I would be concerned about losing that locker room. If you're going to essentially not try for two straight years, if Shea Gilgis Alexander is a very talented young player, who deserves to be on a good NBA team. I mean, he's not probably not going to get like an all-star nod if you're not winning that many games, but he is certainly young and up and coming. And with all the draft picks you have, the vision is that they will improve at some point. Maybe they'll wait another year. I am just worried about losing the locker room. If you don't at least try now, it's to be determined and we'll see where they're at come Christmas time. Maybe things are going so poorly that it's a bad bet. I do appreciate the alternative perspective because it's making me see the other side of it but overall I feel like 23 and a half is too low for a team that should be able to hang in there a little bit um you know okay so to recap I really like the Pelicans as a dark horse you were high on the Timberwolves any team that we didn't discuss that jumps out at you as one you're looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to my old team. I was covering the Portland Trailblazers. Um, it's I wouldn't bet on their season either. It's it's going to be a weird one. Um, they're bringing in basically a whole new roster. They tanked most of the year after Dame went out with injury. They traded away CJ McCollum. Um, but I think they're going to be a really, really fun team. They brought in some defensive wings, Josh Hart, um, Jeremy Grant. Gary Payton the second to play alongside Dame. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. They're going to try to win. They don't. Chicago has the rights to their draft pick. So um, if it lands outside of the lottery, so they, they could go either way as well, but I, they're going to try to win in Dame's prime. So it'll be interesting to see where they land. I'm very much looking forward to all West coast basketball being a West coast guy myself, all those rivalries. I love Damian Lillard being an Oakland guy coming into the league and playing with such attitude and ferocity. The guy's so serious all the time when it comes to crunch time and he does it better than anybody. The Warriors and Lakers and Clippers will all have a little triangle of rivalries going. 
And Phoenix feels like their window's not fully closed either. So mm. Monty Williams has done a great job, and Devin Booker is still a young star. They got Aiton back, so maybe they'll make some noise as well. Lots to be determined, but we still got like three weeks until we got season tip-off. I'm getting excited about it. Yeah, can't wait. Been waiting for too long now. I know. I've, it's been a kind of a dormant period on screaming from the sidelines, like literally screaming from the sidelines because it's just been waiting to see what all this basketball is going to bring. But uh, we'll take up a lot of my time. And if anyone bothers me, I'm just working and doing my job. So <laughs> I commend you for keeping the show running during the dog days of the off season, man. Hey, you know, we're new. And so we're trying to just keep it rolling and have the most fun with it possible. But I really appreciate you being a part of this one today. And I mean, given that you're part of Believe, we'll have to make this happen plenty more times. I'm looking forward to it anytime. And go check out his show. That's Betsketball on Believe Network. Number one content network for professionals like Andy Quatch. So go check it out. And I mean, I say this every single finish of the episode which is keep watching hoops but actually maybe this time just let yourself relax take a couple deep breaths rest your voice drink some tea so you can be in prime screaming form come october 18th thanks a lot and we'll be back next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.